Hey everyone, welcome to the Spice World Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how to avoid extradition if you're rich. And we're also going to be talking about this heightened conflict in Iran. This is episode one, so bear with us. Thank you for listening. Okay. All right. Uh, so this is a fun experiment we're going to do, and we're going to see where it goes. And we're going to just, it's three, three overly educated people uh, talking to each other from around the world. And uh, we're going we're gonna to see if we can't, can't find the answers. Uh, so it's, we have, we have Matt in, in New York, we got Sarah in New Jersey and me, Corey in, in Georgia, the country. Um, so how's everybody doing in 2020? I'm doing good. 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 Yeah. Right on. I'm excited for this experiment. I want to, I'm excited to see how this works out. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think it's a really good opportunity. Yep. Um, I think this, yeah, who knows? If, if all the other people who are doing it can doing it can do it, why not us, right? Um, so I, I, I think, yeah. I think we'll, what, the idea of this is we'll, we'll, we'll riff and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some stuff that's going on in the news, things that we've seen um, sort of from an, from an international political kind of point of view. Uh, but I'm sure we'll, we'll digress into just uh, diatribes about uh, life and culture and the, uh, the current experience. Um, so I got, I got something that I've been following in the news this past week that I've just been loving every moment that I wake up in the morning when I see some news uh, about it, and it's Carlos Gosen. Do you guys know who this is? <laughs> Have you been following yeah, this? Yeah, I've been following yep. that uh, a little bit too. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm loving every bit of Carlos Gosen news that I get. And I, I remember watching this when he first got arrested maybe like nine months ago or whatever it was, uh, mm-hmm. and just being like, this is this is wild because he's just like some high flying, you know, Fortune 500 business executive. And then they throw him in like Japan's like notoriously draconian prison, which is like Japan apparently has like a really, really, really terrible uh, prison system uh, with like very, very little rights and like a 99 percent conviction rate. So this guy was just like he was going down. Uh, they were they were making him the scapegoat for everything. And I, I don't know. What do you what do you, what are you guys feeling about this one? I'm loving it. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of in, I mean I I didn't follow it as closely as I should like from the very beginning I've mostly just been reading the articles about how like he put himself in a box in a private jet and like flew to wherever. Yes, which I very much appreciated. But I had no idea about the the prison system in Japan. It's it's a par- Why is it like that? Uh I mean, like they they have they have the death penalty. They have the death penalty <laughs> and I know that they don't tell you when you will die. They literally just like knock on your door of your cell that morning. You could have been in the, like you've been on death row for just an indefinite amount of time, and then they just knock on your door in the morning and be like, "Yeah, come on, we're shooting you." Like, there's no, there's no like, oh, you know what's happening on a certain day. There's none of that shit. It's it's a, uh, it's very yeah, it's very draconian. Um, I don't know. They're very. I mean, they seem like a punitive people. They don't seem like they're into rehabilitation. Have either of you been to Japan? No, I want no. to. Um. But yeah, they're 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 out there. I so all right. So here, here's the story that I heard. Right, they're pissed because 15 years ago, 20 years ago, Nissan made like a bad deal from a disadvantage, like like a like a disadvantaged financial position where they were like cash poor, and like Renault, some like 
car company that no one's cared about for like since the 30s for whatever reason had a shitload of cash and bought like an absurd over like undervalued stake in Nissan at just like a moment of their weakness and have been riding off of it ever since and part of that deal was our CEO gets to be your CEO also and the Japanese have just hated that ever since because mm-hmm. Nissan's like a you know, it's like a prestige, it's a prestige, like, uh, major industrial firm. And so they've been looking for a way to get rid of this guy forever. And so maybe, like, I'm sure the guy's a dick, probably. But, but like, it sounds like, it sounds like they're, they're just setting him up and here they're going to throw him in jail and try to take the company back, even though, like, the deal was done decades ago. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the perfect example of you know you could kind of hate yeah yeah (laughs) you know you could hate you could hate the japanese prison system but you could also hate the fact that you know this company took advantage of this uh you know japanese company and uh and is yeah it's just it's just that both both yeah like you don't want any like all these people can be jerks probably but yeah like you gotta love the 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 chutzpah on the guy to like i heard it was a it was a roadie case like one just like a roadie case for like musical instruments right just like a big a big metal coffin roadie case (laughs) like the dude just got into it and trusted that when someone opened the door on the other end it wasn't going to be just like another japanese guy like throwing him back in jail for the rest of his life (laughs) oh well that's the interesting thing about this is there was like one mention in my reading about this that there was an American security firm involved in his exit. I mean, there's so, just logistics involved. I would love yeah, to know. Yeah, there's major logistics. So I, oh, I yeah. heard something that was like, all right, you want to you want to charter a private jet from Osaka to Istanbul? Yeah, no problem. It's ten grand an hour. It's a twelve hour flight. Like, all right, that's one hundred twenty grand. Like, I mean, that's nothing yeah, for that guy, right? Like, yeah, like, you know, that's nothing for that guy. So, I mean, but yeah, how do you set it up? Because apparently his phone was tapped, you know, his passport was taken away, like totally, like he was being monitored all the time. Like he was on basically like house arrest, right? Now, I don't know. It's, it's, it's movie worthy. It's movie worthy. But this is like fairly common that like, um, escape these, justice. Like, wealthy folks. <laughs> I think it's not very, but it happens like every year. A couple of people a year do it, where like someone's rich, they're like gonna go to jail and like someplace, and then they they escape. Like there was this famous case. I can't remember the dude's name, but he was like an American guy, like one of these like wealthy private equity guys, and then he moved to Namibia because Ooh. they don't have the extradition with the U.S. And he was there for like twenty, thirty years, just hiding out, like living life. And then he finally just, I think it was last year, the year before, he finally gave it up and went back to the U.S. And he just got arrested, like, right when he got in? But they were able to get him. Well, he he turned himself in. Because I guess, like, the U.S. had been trying to get him for, like, however long, 15, 20 years. And uh, the way they got him was through his kids. So they, I guess, I'd have to reread the story, but they did something like they were pressuring the kids or the kids were going to be impacted in a negative way because of his situation like they wouldn't be able to enjoy life in the u.s Ah. because of him so he was like okay i'm i'm old i'm gonna turn myself in for the sake so that my kids can you know live a decent life that's a that's an og move i like but like it's a tough decision fair game fair game (laughs) but like at the same time he was hiding from the law for 20 years and he's old enough now where he's like fuck it he won (laughs) like you know now he gets now he gets free health care 
But like, what goes into the decision to run? Like, why do you want to live that life? I mean, do you have hundreds of millions of dollars? Right. But, but the other thing that goes into it is like, so you're on the run, you know, that Japan is going to be like putting pressure and not just Japan, all of Japan's allies. They're going to find ways to so? put pressure on the guy. What do you think? All right. So here, here, How could here's, they a, not? here's an angle on it, right? Well, so he went to Lebanon, which is where he's like, he's like, you know, he's Lebanese, like, you know, Lebanese diaspora, I guess. So he's in Lebanon right. now. Lebanon's a shit show. Lebanon doesn't have an extradition treaty with Japan. So like, that's, that's that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Japanese are all about like face, right? Like East Asian cultures, they're all about face and saving face. Like, this is a huge, huge debacle right now. Like, how many prosecutors... We're going to make their whole careers on this guy. Like how many people were going to like get their promotions that they've been wanting at Nissan because of whatever. And like so many people now just want this to go away. Cause now if you start asking questions like who's in, who's in trouble, who's at fault, then like this will never go away. And everyone's going to be embarrassed from like, like the security guard at the private airstrip, like all the way up to like whoever's in charge of Nissan now. I bet they want him to just disappear. I don't know. Just yeah, following up, I I just looked it up. The dude who went to maybe it was uh, Kobe Alexander was his name. What did so he, he was there for money? ten years. Or did he steal his money? Or like, uh, hiding that. So he was a he was a, a Wall Street type. Uh, he he got in trouble for like securities fraud in, in some way. Escaping a country um, by boat is right. But <laughs> what do you think is harder, escaping a country by boat or by air? Definitely by air. Hmm. You think that's harder, more difficult? Yeah, I think there's more security around it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, commercial a commercial airline, like, no way, right? That's, like, you know, like, a private jet, right? You get- but they're also they're also tracking private jet, jets, though. So, you know, I think your best bet is probably on a, on a small boat. Buy a bet on a small boat on the coast. Yeah. And then meet another boat. <laughs> That's interesting. That's an interesting question. Yeah, how do you... Because it totally depends on where you're leaving and going to, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, leaving an island country is a more difficult trick than leaving, like, you know, like, Austria or something like that, you know? Like, getting out of Poland is easy. Getting out of Japan, a little bit more difficult, I assume. Yeah. I guess this is why they I, put them in a roadie box. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yes. But they don't check. Like, you can get through... Um, if you have a private jet, I mean, this is what I've heard. I haven't been on one, but apparently you, it's the security is more, much more lax because they fly out of, or you can fly out of smaller airports. The person who runs the private jet company is like, maybe knows the people that work yeah. there. So maybe they, they get through easier. Yeah, what if you have like TSA pre-check or something where you get to just walk right through or whatever the equivalent I don't, is? I don't even think there is a TSA people. at private. Like that's for commercial air travel, right? Yeah, it's easy. It's easier, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. That would have been cool, though, if he had gotten caught. Well, that would have been an interesting yeah, I mean, he, we would have never seen well, him again. that would have been good for Japan. Yeah, they would have been like, yeah, we see, yeah. we told you the whole time. The guy was a crook, like, right? Like, the guy was, he was bad news. But all I'm saying is that you can't live out the rest of your life on the run because someone somewhere is going to be putting pressure on the guy. Like, if it's not the Japanese, I'm sure someone doesn't like him from somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like that kind of a guy. But then, but then, all right, so so where do you have to go? You have to go to some some place that is, like, nice enough that you can enjoy, like, all your all your riches, 
but crazy enough that like no one has like really like full control over the place and ding 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 like Lebanon Beirut is seems like the perfect place for a guy like that like you can buy a Ferrari and there's like no governing state <laughs> yeah but he can always become a trading chip at some point for somebody that's that's what I would be yeah. I mean I guess he's rich enough he could hire a bunch of security and stuff yeah. but like you just never know because like someone could be like oh I, I'll I'll bring you this dude or I'll make his life bad if you do something for me. Like that's always a possibility. But, but then it's like who's who cares, right? It's a it was like white collar crime at the worst. He stole money from Nissan, like at the worst. Fuck him, right? Mm. Like he, there's no there's no like he didn't steal from the pension fund or like it's not like that one MDB yeah. thing. Like Nissan was just like, Hey, we, we were supposed to pay him five million dollars a year. But he also like expensed us for like another five million dollars a year. What the fuck? Like that was like, like that's their beef, and like they just turned it into this big thing. I think. I think. I, I don't. You know. I, I didn't follow Japanese industrial news until like that guy. <laughs> and now I can't stop, man. I yeah, can't stop. People haven't since the nineties <laughs> right? as much as they used to. Alright. So what else? What else did you guys see? What's what's the what's the story you guys have been have been enjoyed with? I mean, there's the big one, but Sarah, do you have something else before that? I mean, I was going to talk about the big Let's one. Let's talk too. about the fireworks like, then. Enough, Let's do yeah. it. This, this, this week is an well, easy I wanna one. I want to know, can I start by asking Corey, because you're closest to the action, is yeah. any anything going on in Georgia no. that related to what's going I had on? A lot of, uh, I had a lot of Iranians out the other night, and uh, I was lamenting that I didn't have this little recording device with me. Because, because I wanted to, I wanted to just like talk. Because like you know, it was like literally like three Iraqi kids, like six Iranian kids, and like you know, eight Americans at one point, and the you know a bunch of Georgians. Like, but yeah, like no one I know. It's a mixture of all the people who loved like the monarchy. They uh, oh god damn it! Someone just rang my doorbell. What do I do in this situation? How do we, see someone, who it is. Neighbor, it's my neighbor, probably. Uh, it's the Iranians. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the, Ira, it's the Iranians. And Sarah's sleeping on the couch, stick. All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk this. <laughs> so the scene in Tbilisi, yeah, no, no one's the the people who liked the Shah are all very happy, and the people who value like an independent Iran are pretty pissed. I don't know anybody who was like big fans of that guy because like if you were an Iranian here it means that you were uncomfortable enough in your own country that you wanted to leave um and that guy's probably a big part of making that place uncomfortable for some people uh so sure yeah no like uh, but if you don't know what the, who we're talking about is this Suleimani yeah yeah general general kasim Suleimani, the the now most popular like person to talk about and three days ago no one in the world yeah, and three days ago no one knew his name practically my buddy, my buddy Will Cathcart, who's this journalist who I'll name drop, uh, who writes some things sometimes. He was like writing some piece for the Daily Beast last year, and like the premise was like the twenty worst people in the world who you've never heard of, or something like that. And they were just trying to like, you know, like clout surf off like tragedy, I guess, to get clicks at the Daily Beast. And uh, so he asked me like, "Hey, who's like the worst person in the world? You think that no one's ever heard of?" And I was just like, "That guy." Because 
No one's <laughs> only because not because he's the worst person in the world, but because no one had ever heard of him. Like the dude's profile was so incredibly low for being so incredibly high. Uh, you hmm. got to tip your hat to him a little bit. Well, how did you encounter him? How did you like know find out that he was one of those? I people? saw it. I remember. I know when I first saw his name in like in print. It was when his father died, and because he was such an important figure, even though his dad was not necessarily an important figure, like just cultural customs would say that like when his dad died, like everyone sent a representative, like every head of state, every from the region, like, you know, you know, like they probably were heads of state who went, not even like vice heads of state, right? Like they sent the top dog people to his father's funeral. And it was just this like who's who of the Middle East. And it just like, who who could what figure could get all those people together because there was sunnis and shias and you know people who are pro this faction and anti that faction but they were all in the same room to just like say hey sorry for your loss to this guy and it's just like wow that's some that's some clout right Mm -hmm. there uh so yeah then i just always then i asked him to like i know a bunch of iranians i was like hey you know who this guy is and they were just all like yeah we know who that guy is like you know it was like that's the <laughs> dumbest question ever like, like ask an american who's like who was like j edgar hoover or something like that yeah yeah well i mean to be fair most americans probably don't know who yeah today is, but... i guess right but what's the equivalent <laughs> well right? now now they no, think they kidding. do yeah he you know he was like mike pompeo plus george bush senior plus something else right like i don't know plus uh petraeus i don't know hmm. he was he he was portrayed on homeland for christ's sake right like there was that one character really? yeah you guys ever watch homeland no i watched a yeah. bit of it homeland is wacky over the top sensationalist kind of racist sometimes but it's pretty good um but there's this one bit where like or this like long you know spoiler alert like <laughs> Because Homeland's known for its comedy. Yeah, jokes, right. But so. well, but for real, like th- <laughs> no, this kidding, one kidding. is a bit when you like actually think about it. Because part of the premise is like, and I might be confusing two seasons, like evil masterminds. But basically, uh, he had like a helicopter fleet in like rural Pennsylvania that he could just <laughs> like he was in America, like like helming operations. And oh, by the way, like. In a barn in rural Pennsylvania, he's got like a fucking, you know, escape helicopter just like waiting and ready to go for this moment. Like it was, you know, like and he was just very smooth. He was a very smooth operator. And then uh, in a later. Is that confirmed? Was it supposed no. to be like him or well, was it supposed to be like it was his type? job? Like it was just like the same job title. Like the characters mm-hmm. was like head of the IRGC. And he was just like smart and calculating, oh. you know, all the other things that that guy was. Sure, interesting. What do you think? What what? Sarah, yeah, what's what your it, take with the energy markets and whatnot? Yeah, Sarah, what, what's your take? Do you have a big take on this, or is this kind of like out of your regional focus? What do you think? Um, I mean, it it definitely is out of my regional focus. Uh, so I'm not going to claim to be any kind of Iran expert today. Um, but uh, it it kind of goes to what I said earlier. And I've just been seeing so many takes on Twitter and various articles that kind of lean toward one side or another. So, you know, Trump is bad for doing this, but no mention of Soleimani. You know, Soleimani is terrible, but no mention of, you know, that this was likely illegal by international standards. Um, mm-hmm. It's okay to it's okay to have both takes. 
Yeah, this is that one where like when someone you hate makes a point that you like because like there's no one's yes. no one's right in this. Like, like this is a this is just a shit show altogether. It makes the world. Yeah, I think it makes the world I, yeah, less it's, safe. It's so difficult. I think it makes the world less safe. I believe that. I think it was. Oh, yeah. I think it was safer with that guy alive than with him dead. Probably. You think because I I um because I, I kind of thought I was thinking I was going back and forth on that because like I. Like probably mo- all of us was like reading as much as I could and, and watching a bunch of like clips from the news shows about this, and like that was kind of what I was thinking is like it's better to have an enemy that you know than the enemy that you don't know, and that could lead to the unsafety that you're talking about. But also, some of these people were saying like maybe the disorganization could lead to like it being easier to know all of these like smaller militias throughout the region and stuff. And not having this like one guy organizing everybody could make it easier to uh, be aware of the activity of these other folks and allow them to make mistakes and turn against each other and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see the latter point, but in terms of, you know, not having a central figure that you could turn to in terms of information, that's uh, like that's definitely just the Hydra right there that <laughs> was just created. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I and with... If, if we let a bunch of little groups now just fight it out, that's still bad. That just means more people are going to die, yeah. like, unnecessarily. That's definitely like, more unstable. Yeah, and, like, and for no good reason. Like, if they were going to die for a reason, it's one thing. But this is not for a reason. This would just be, like, a temporary power maneuvering thing until, you know, power coalesces back in the hands of, like, a very strong authority figure or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a really good thread by... Uh, uh, representative Alyssa Slotkin. Um, I follow her stuff a lot. And, you know, she she was involved in Department of Defense and everything like that, but she is definitely more uh, cautious, I would say, than you would think uh, compared to others who come from similar backgrounds. And basically she goes into the calculations going into this under the Obama and Bush administrations and now. And um, there's definitely confusion as to why this was a decision made right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, timing is everything. And a lot of those who are actually involved in this realm are, want, are that's what they're confused about is the timing. Do, is this, do you think the timing is as simple as now it's an election year and five days ago it wasn't an election year? could be right like like, did he he wake up one day did trump wake up and be like holy shit it's this year all right we gotta do something (laughs) (laughs) new year new me yeah right new year new me let's get a war going i haven't done one yet it's been three years already i don't know because this is the ultimate problem with with anything that has to do with military stuff in the u.s is like you have to assume that the people who are making these decisions and it's not obviously it's not just trump there's hundreds of other people involved in in calculating these things and, and preparing for the aftermath and, and whatever and we have no idea what they know and what they're capable of and what their next steps are and that's why this is so awful for all of us as people of the world because it all relies on these like 100 people or maybe it's 15 people or maybe it's three people and we have no idea which is but like maybe they're they have a perfect plan for everything. And everything's they've never work had out, a perfect plan like for anything ever. Here, though. <laughs> like they've never done anything. I mean, I know right? they don't have like, that, but they've still. never had one though. Like it's and that's like the undemocratic nature of it, which is so scary. But 
Yeah. How, how do you make defense democratic, though? Well, you can't because it's like inherently it isn't. We, we can we can certainly like take a lot of fucking money out of it, though. That's a good first step, right? Like we don't have to fund it so much, right? Like. We're going to just, this is just going to be an excuse. Oh, you know what I saw? Like Northrop Grumman's stock went up like 2% that day. <laughs> like the day, the day. Right? Like, <laughs> just like, all right, yeah, we're going to fucking sell more bombs yeah. because of this. Simple as that. But can it, and then you see all these memes online about how like, well, look out, this is going to be just like 2001 all over again in the Iraq war and like warmongering and stuff. But I feel like it's impossible for that to happen again, right? Or am I too naive? I feel like we already learned that lesson. Like, there's been so many movies, documentaries, books. It's in the public consciousness, and you don't have to have gotten a master's degree in poli sci to know, like, the disaster of the Iraq War. Yeah, but we, we, so, we like, knew it, Vietnam it baffles also, me that it could right? happen we again. We knew Vietnam. That's right? True. And, like, everyone, like, I remember being, like, I don't know, 15 or whatever it was. I was in, like, high school when the Iraq War was starting. And, like, it just seemed like there were people who were anti-war. And, like, that was a thing. Like, those people's thing was that they did not want to go to war. And everyone else was just on some spectrum of, like, well, we should go to war for this reason or that reason or the third reason. Like, but then there was just this small fringe group that was, like, the anti-war people. And they were all just, like, this is a bad idea. And I'm already against the next war. And, like, those people, everyone was just like, oh, fucking hippies, like, these people, right? And, like, now you're just yeah. like, whoa, like, whoa, no, they were, this is just happens all the time. Because the same people now, the same people who are going to protest yeah. this possible war vehemently are the same people who protested the Iraq war vehemently are probably the same people who were protesting Vietnam, right? They're still around. Well, I think now yeah. it's kind of like, you know, back then it was you know, you dumb hippies, but now it's kind of like you dumb intellectuals. Yeah, and well, like, <laughs> at least we could fire back now with the OK Boomer, though, right? Like, that's be, that hit a nerve. <laughs> that hit such a strong, strong, strong nerve with, like, just middle-aged white dudes that, like, you want to, you want to, that's, that's, like, that's their N-word, is OK Boomer. They really don't like it, man. Like, it's like, that's the worst thing you can say to them. Yeah, but even the intellectual boomers, they're, you know, they're not happy about this. Yeah, no. I mean, but it could, like, not, I mean, if you, I, I hate to bring up his name because that's going to start a whole other thing, but, like, if you read something by, like, Ian Bremmer or Fareed Zakaria, one of your two favorite <laughs> So this people, is where we have to have it. We need, they, no, no one thinks it's going to turn into, like, a war like the Iraq we need war. A, we need one of those sound yeah. sound effect boards because we have to we should do we should do a sound effect every time Bremer's name comes up that should be part of the ongoing like I brought it up fabric. intentionally to be like yeah right so let's let's this is all right so bing, 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 bing. you know it's our it's our it's our weekly Bremer shit roast like fuck that guy all right what did he say this week <laughs> I don't know I think the fact no, that I mean, they're like, saying not there's not going to be a war I think that we should be more afraid <laughs> <laughs> right, he's just categorically wrong. <laughs> oh, jeez. Another thing I've been thinking about, and maybe you guys can correct me on this, am I oversimplifying it by thinking that we're in this position solely by the actions of, like, three people? Meaning that because Trump pulled out of the Iran agreement and single-handedly without any other country in the world ratcheted up stuff going on, 
he basically built the scenario by which he decided to kill this dude and now we're in this stake of like on the fringe of war or whatever because of those like three or four scenarios is that simplified or is that the reality that basically one or two people may have started the major war i or am i simplifying I mean, you sound it sounds like you just it sounds like what you just described we could say is like uh that game mousetrap uh where there's all those <laughs> and but but donald trump's set it up and it all depends on you know who set up the board or whether it works or not and like yeah he 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 like the way it looks it all leads to like catastrophe right but let's see like was the board set up properly or were they so incompetent that they can't even get a war started yeah it seems (laughs) like they're like in addition to the two or three people who are making this decision it's like a network of enablers yeah and some of them are dumb right like the people who are smart have all like not even smart they're all the people who are competent right who are who who can who perform like actions and get results like they're all gone it seems like john bolton that dude like mm. you you think he's not like he's he's been he's been fully aroused for like the last 3 days but he's <laughs> but he can't he hasn't he's he doesn't have a seat at the table anymore he must be kicking right? himself. Right? Yeah. This is, this is, he so wants to be involved He in wishes, but yeah, you know, this is... But not on, it's not on, it's not on his not terms. It's not too late. He could get back no, in. No, he, he, he wrote a book, didn't he? Isn't he doing a book deal? He's doing like a tell Yeah, but he... But, but it seems like with this orbit of people that sometimes there'll be a disagreement, but people can get back in into the fold if they do or say a few things. Just publicly come out and defend... And then you can get back into the fold. It's but how much if he if he like publicly like humiliates you and fires you and just like excoriates you and does all that stuff and then you come back groveling to him and he gives you like some something. Yeah, I don't think that's happened yet. Yeah, no one's done it because those people yeah. all have like egos also, right? They're not at the top top, but they're still at the top, and like they're not about to just like prostrate themselves for this guy because deep down they know like you know he's just temporary right yeah i don't know last time i heard chris christie was going to be doing like a sports radio show in jersey yeah there you go right like (laughs) yeah christie christie couldn't get back in and that that wasn't even because he pissed off trump that's because he pissed off trump's son-in-law 15 years ago Mm. you know what i wanted to bring up on the uh the iran stuff though is of course related to my my regional focus and uh i liked uh i don't know Corey, if you read it mark galliotti's piece on uh putin's position on this no what what is he he's it's this is against international norms so some comment like that i saw but i didn't read the piece i saw putin's comment uh what was the thing yeah no it was yeah it was basically you know he was saying that putin is kind of happy to be the audience member at this point and uh like he the entire article is great. Like, you know, it, it kind of lays out where, where Russia is in the Middle East at this point. But I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't, I don't think Putin's an audience member. He's, uh, he, he definitely has a seat at the table at this point. Who's, who do you think wasn't there... was his closest ally in, in the region besides Syria? Like, east of Syria, west of, like, Pakistan? Mm, that's a good question. Um... I mean, it's hard to say allies. I know, 
I've, I guess I focus more on interests. So interests yeah. in Syria, interests in Libya. I don't know. I heard this crazy story that uh, there's been currency being printed in Russia for Libya. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for Haftar. For Haftar. Yeah. He's getting his own currency made. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that also. That's just wild. They want him for sure. That's um, He's their guy. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I was I was like trying to think of how best to describe Putin in the region. And all I could think of is like, you know, he's doing crazy something crazy, and then just you know someone else runs by him doing something even crazier. Like, uh, I, first thing that came to mind was like, you know, those those new axe throwing uh, activities. The bars that you can throw axes at. Right. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Like yeah. you know he's, yeah he's like he's throwing axes, but then he sees the party next to him that you know they're twelve beers in throwing axes and he's like oh i'm doing pretty good like i've got my shit together right now yeah like, I'm, I'm fine i'm fine i'm totally fine these guys are gonna get kicked out way before i'm gonna get kicked out <laughs> yeah oh man did i and i i don't know as much about this but did i read this and you guys would know that um a couple days ago iran and china and russia were doing some sort of exercises together military exercises i did not oh yeah that. they they like to do exercises it's usually through some kind of. But they were doing it like three days ago, or like two days before the, this event. Yeah, those have been kind of ramping up over the past few years, so it doesn't surprise mm. me. Well, I, I don't even know what Iran. But just for me, who doesn't know as much, what does that mean that that they're regularly doing exercises and ramping them up together? Is it just to be like a, a to bother the U.S. or something, or is there some other goal? Do you guys know much about Neither that? Of those guys have um, great armies. Like they have to do drills and practice stuff and work together, and they share borders almost. I mean, yeah, it's almost. definitely symbolic, China but it's um, it's also aimed very much at the region. So, like you know, Central Asia region, post-Soviet region. Um, you know, if it was if it was aimed at the U.S., I think uh, we'd be making a bigger stink about it every time this happens Ch but, uh, china and russia you know what do they what do they definitely see eye to eye on is like not having islamic based terrorism within their borders like they care about that very much and uh, i feel like they work pretty closely together they, they, they both see eye to eye on that one entirely probably despite having a very long border and probably lots of problems and confusion and conflict along it and on small scales but like they they definitely neither of them want anyone blowing anything up in their countries. Screaming Allah Akbar. Yeah, and a dem okay. demonstration of cooperative influence too. You know that they're not enemies. They're this idea that Russia and China are somehow gonna you know blow up at each other is not gonna happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but at the same time they have like one of the longest borders in the world, and it's like very hard to you know like it's like a very fluid situation out there on the borders like they it's it's just wilderness and mountains and and tundra and taiga and siberia and stuff like they have to be they have to cooperate right there's no way not to cooperate because you can't you can't actually guard and monitor that whole area like it's impossible yeah no they they definitely have their eyes on each other but in terms of you know some kind of hostile relationship growing that's no yeah no way mm-hmm yeah. And China is so much bigger. Like, what would Russia do? Like, what would they do? Their their entire population is on the opposite side of the country of the, the, the part of their country that touches China. 
and and China has ten times as many people. And China just like bought yeah. China bought Russia's last aircraft carriers that were like rusting hulks. So like Russia doesn't even have any aircraft carriers, I don't think. There didn't one like catch on fire just now, like their last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Like, that yeah. yeah that that ship has had problems yeah. <laughs> over the past. Russia few doesn't years. want any smoke with China. They want they want zero smoke with China. Uh, sure. But yeah, they'll sit back and watch a bunch of right. other dumb stuff in the Middle East, though, with a happy, happy look on their face, though, probably. 